Welcome to Humanity Unlocked, where we know that listening to someone's story with an intent to gain insight is an important key in unlocking each person's humanity. Your host, Kimberly, is known for her profound curiosity in human behavior, giving her a long-standing reputation for being a deeply engaged and exceptional listener. Each one of us has a unique origin story that helps to explain the unfolding of the path we've traveled. When the story gets told, it provides a glimpse into the context and nuances that we, the listeners, may have otherwise never considered. Join Kimberly as she embarks on the journey of a lifetime to unlock and reveal the humanity of every person she meets. Here's Kimberly. You are listening to Humanity Unlocked, and I am your host, Kimberly Daya. If it's your first time with us, welcome. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. Thank you for joining us. I'm excited to chat with today's guest, and I think you're going to enjoy what we have in store for you. Amy Akitanya, I hope I pronounced that right, is here to talk about the topic of infertility. I met Amy 12 years ago through a mutual friend, and although I haven't seen her in about a decade, we've remained social media friends, uh, watching each other's lives through the screen and supporting one another from afar. Amy is a 44-year-old single woman, She is an ICU nurse for a major local hospital, as well as a nurse practitioner in the emergency department at the VA hospital here in Sacramento. In addition to this, Amy is a yoga teacher and she is the owner and founder of Wellness Mobile, a company that administers personalized IV and aesthetic services to your home, business, or event. Amy reached out to me asking to be a guest and because she has so many life experiences she could share, initially it was about us deciding which one would be best suited for us to explore and dive into on the podcast until about three weeks ago, that is. Around age 37, Amy took her first steps into the world of infertility after after the discovery of two very large fibroids. As a precautionary measure, she was advised to have an egg retrieval prior to having these fibroids removed. She went through with the egg retrieval as instructed, largely unaware of the path that lay ahead a path that includes cycles upon cycles of medication, injections, lab work, retrievals, fertilization, transfers, testing, and more. The emotional roller coaster and financial cost attached to this issue cannot be overstated. Many of us spend our younger years avoiding pregnancy with the expectation of it coming easily later on, when we have the means to support a child or a partner to parent with, or both. We take for granted that when we choose to start our family that our bodies will comply. We assume if we choose to wait until our careers are established, our relationship is intact and our lifestyle permits, that this option will still be there, ready and waiting for us. But oftentimes, this is not the case. Eight egg retrievals, three intrauterine transfers, and one frozen transfer later, Amy has spent nearly six figures in her effort to start a family using fertility treatments. As of three weeks ago, she was well on her way to being pregnant with twins, but on September 1st, or thereabouts, she received the unfortunate news that her embryos didn't make it. Today, Amy is here to tell us her story and to shed light into the world of infertility, a topic that many women have experience with, yet seldom talk about. With that, I want to welcome today's guest, Amy, to the podcast. Welcome, Amy, and thank you for being here today. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Yes. Okay, so... Let's start by giving our listeners a little background on you, which I always like to do. You grew up in Sacramento, and prior to deciding to become a nurse, you worked in cosmetics as a makeup artist as well as in sales. Additionally, in 2013, around age 34, you began teaching yoga, and I feel like I'm not... 
you did more than you, you ran a yoga studio, essentially. <laughs> and, a so- and shortly after, got married and enrolled at a nursing school. The plan was to start a family after you finished nursing school, but those plans wound up shifting, causing you to pivot in a different direction. So take us back to around 2015, 2016. You finished nursing school and began working in the medical field. You were around, around um, age 37. So this would have been the time when you'd planned to start a family. Uh, what changed for you? Um, so obviously becoming newly single, I was divorced and then starting a brand new career. Um, you know, you think about taking a new job and being like, Hey, I'm pregnant. I'm going to be off, you know, for, you know, approximately a year. Um, so looking at that and not really knowing what my future was, I kind of really needed to take matters into my own hands, especially if that partner wasn't going to be right around the corner. What you, what, when did you guys split up? What year? Actually, when I was in nursing school, so 2015. Okay. So it was was it towards the end of? Yeah. Okay. So when you would have been getting ready to start your family, that's when you guys decided to split. So, okay. Right. All right. Um, and did, was there, well, you know what? I'm, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I always do this, and I always tell the listeners I do this. So I'm not going to do it. Okay. So at that point, <laughs> slow down, Kim. At that point, um, was what was your thought process in terms of starting a family? Was it just on hold? Yeah, it really kind of, at least for almost a year and a half, it kind of really was on the back burner. I mean, selling a house that we had lived in, me trying to find a place to live, you know, my career getting on track somewhere. So that was kind of like my focus, especially after, you know, the world comes crashing around you. Right. And then you're also looking at a biological clock that, you know, they say after 35, you yeah. need to get going on this. You would have been, what did you say, 30? What did we say, 37? Uh, 37, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, you know, it was, again, in the back of my mind, but of course, you know, going through the financial and emotional roller coaster of divorce, yeah. you know, was. So you had it, you, you owned a home together. Correct. You ran a yoga studio together. Mm-hmm. You decided to split up. You had to sell your home, find a new place to live. You had probably at that, then you have to abandon sort of your career in the yoga field. You yeah. walked away from that. Yep. And now you're in this new career in nursing. Yep. So you're starting over, basically. Exactly. So your focus shifts to your career. Yeah. Understandably so. And um, when you split from your ex-husband, was there ever a time when you questioned whether or not you still wanted to have children or, or if there would be any issues with you getting pregnant? So I never really thought about that. Um, you know, truth be told... Um, I, you know, ended up having a new pregnancy when I was in high school mm-hmm. and terminated, like I'm sure many, many people have done. And, yeah. you know, I second guess myself sometimes, like, oh my gosh, was that my only chance? I mean, believe me, I don't know how many times I've gone to church and been like, I've done the ultimate sin, right. you know? So especially when you deal with infertility, you know, there's this whole, you know, what did I do? Right. You second get yourself. There's a lot yeah. of guilt yeah. for something like that. I've heard that. I've actually, I've heard that a lot. And so, yeah, that's hard to kind but of But I don't think with. that's fair to do to yourself, honestly, because there are so many women that I know who did um, terminate their pregnancies and went on to have full families. So, Agreed. And I, yeah. I mean, I've, I've come to see that as well. And it's, I think it's more um, maybe a personality type, you know, the perfectionists and some of us that are like, I made a mistake. Right. You know. Right. I could see that in you. I, just like, I don't know her that well, but I could see that in you. Um, 
going back a little bit into so in 2018 um you had had you actually had an egg retrieval um prior to your um fibroid removal um but you previously donated eggs to help five different families before choosing to have a family of your own what what year was that that you did that? Because I know that so you donated eggs. Yeah, this, previously in my twenties. Yeah. So oh, this your 20s. was okay. this was gosh, <laughs> um, just after two thousand, I think. So you just so, said, "Let yeah. me help you." Yeah, um, I don't obviously have an aversion to like needles or anything like that, and um, you know my aunt was suffering for from infertility, and so I had kind of heard about you know donating eggs through that. Um, and was like, well, why not? You know, it's not, a, it's no skin off my nose, yeah. you know? And at that point I'd bought my first house at 21 and it actually helped me with my down payment. Right, right, <laughs> right. I've heard that. I've heard so, that from our um, mutual friend that we have. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and it is about a month of your life, you know, the appointments, ultrasounds, injections, blood work, but in the grand scheme of things, and they even put you through a psychological check, which is kind of smart. Oh, um, wow. I yeah. Didn't, I didn't know that. You go okay. through, you know, some counseling therapy to just see, if, like, you know, what your motives are and that everything else. And I think it was smart. But, you know, I was like, well, if I can help somebody start a family, you know, why not? And this this ended up um, resulting in five five children? Five. Well, five families got my eggs. Okay. I don't actually know, um, you know. What ended up occurring? How many children they had from yeah. my eggs. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, when people ask sometimes, and depending on if I'm being cheeky or who's actually asking me, they're like, do you have any kids? I'm like, yeah, I have tons. <laughs> and we are going to get into that question. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so, but you did, but they did have to, at that point, be able to determine whether or not your eggs were healthy, too. Absolutely. So you knew that. Mm-hmm. Okay, but, mm-hmm. um, okay, Um and when it fast, fast forward, fasting forward a little bit, and I know we're getting a little bit um, ahead of ourselves, but there was a time where you actually called NorCal Fertility to find out were there any eggs left. Yes. Okay. And there were not. No. Okay. Okay. All <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Believe me, I was like, maybe I still have eggs. Yeah. <laughs> from my twenty something years. They, were, they would have been healthy. They would have been great. Yeah. I mean, you can keep em- eggs slash embryos almost indefinitely right and they don't age they right. stay the same viability which is incredible yeah. you know so yeah I was definitely hoping for and nobody tw- counseled you to take out extra no okay. well and no one no one said to me obviously in my 20s like you might want to put like you know maybe just six aside for yourself or yeah. whatever um I wish they had yeah you know but you know hindsight's always 20 I mean I think when we're in our 20s too I never questioned whether I mean I right. think we were just we're in a different mindset plus it was a different time even agree than now agree. It's, more, it's talked about um more commonly now Much was there so. was there ever um pressure from your family or peers to start a family earlier earlier like when you were married um, yeah I know I know you got married young and then quickly split but then with your second marriage um were you receiving the pressure that you guys really need to get on the ball with this? Um, you know, a little bit. Um, you know, I think most people that know me know I'm incredibly driven. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted stability. Yeah. I really wanted stability. And not that we didn't have stability. I mean, we both had, you know, jobs and, you know, had, you know, good things coming. But I just really wanted to be that settled part yeah. of our lives. And so obviously opening up a yoga studio, going to school, you know, that was, you know, a little unsettling. So 
But again, it's like after that magical number of 35, yeah. people start wondering like, do you want kids? Do yeah. you like kids? You know, just all those, you know, questions that people love to ask. Did you, did you get it a lot? Because I even look at my, I told you this, I look at myself, I'm like, gosh, how often was I doing that to people? You know? Um, I feel like I ended up getting it more now as a nurse. Okay. Um, and mostly this is, you know, patients asking me, like, are you married? Do you have kids? You know, and it's a very innocent question. It, yeah. No, and, they don't, and we don't mean anything. Exactly. And it, so yeah. I don't ever take offense from it. Um, it's, it's more so depending on where it comes from because if it's innocent yeah. and you know some people just don't know how to do small talk right right and if you're taking care of people that have nothing else really to talk about yeah. or to say and usually they mean well um they're looking for a way to connect with you yeah and that's the easiest low-hanging fruit right yeah. I mean it's like probably a second to weather right 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 <laughs> true like well do you have a boyfriend I mean just any of those things so it, it's just one of those again low-lying fruit that you can be like yeah. oh are you married? Do you have kids? <laughs> and I and I do it. So I've since stopped doing it now that I've um, educated myself a little bit more on it because I do have a couple of friends and just just not even things that they've told me, but just more the energy around the issue I've picked up on. Like, I don't think that this is a good idea to ask, you know, about these. I don't think they are appreciating this. And like, especially when I first met them, you know, I would take that low hanging fruit. And immediately I would get it. There would be an energy shift. Yeah. And it's either A, they're offended. I don't think they're offended, but they're put off by the fact that I would assume that they would want kids, mm -hmm. which that usually wasn't the case. Or B, they had tried really hard and never had kids. So I'm, I'm entering into a sensitive area that right. they don't want to talk about. So I have to stop myself. Like recently I went and, you know, had a, a aesthetic service done. Actually, this happened a couple different times recently. And I went to my go-to and I stopped myself. <laughs> because they didn't you know what I mean because sure. I had a feeling so it's just a lesson to all of us like we just it's we think it's so benign like it's a benign question right and I think typically it is and I think it depends on who it is and where they may be at in their journey yeah. too I think is huge I mean I'll be real honest even in my 20s you know my first marriage I was like that is not my focus you know Children mm -hmm. are not my focus right now. The world's overpopulated. Like, right. I'm just, I'm not there. Yeah. But I was absolutely in love with helping people yeah. that couldn't yeah. fulfill their dream of becoming a family. Like, right. So it's funny, the kind of dichotomy that I was, you know, involved in. Like, mm -hmm. no, world's overpopulated. I'm, that's not a focus of mine. But I'm more than happy if someone's dream is to have a family. Like, totally cool to facilitate that. So yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. made me feel good. But yeah. Well, interestingly, <laughs> too, it's like it's funny because um, with the respect of starting a family, you were your idea around it was, OK, let me set myself up for success and my family up for success by finishing my degrees and like getting, you know, you were trying you were doing everything like textbook the quote-unquote right way and then right. it ends up biting you. So right. it's like interesting how and then there's those of us who were like, you know, had a, I had my first at 23 and it's like, what the heck was I thinking? You know, it's just, yeah, it's just so funny. Um, okay. Um, so, but you have eventually after a few years had passed, you did make the choice to move forward with having, uh, children of your own. Um, you're going through fertility treatments, um, on your own. You're covering hundred percent of the cost and we'll get into how astronomical that is in a minute, but you're doing all of this on your own. You eventually just decided like, okay, I'm not married anymore, but I'm you know, f approaching 44, 
let me just go ahead and take matters into my own hands. What has that been like? Like, was this an obvious decision for you? Did you think that, of course, you're going to take matters into your own hands and move forward um, with the fertility treatments, or was there a difficult decision? So um, I think probably from way back when, I've always been one of those people that it's like, I'm very determined, especially if people will be like, why would you want to do that? Or, you know, especially the age I'm at now. I mean, I had a girlfriend be like, why would you want to have kids? I'm like, I've done everything I've wanted to do. Right. I you're, literally. You're pretty self-evolved. Like, I, I've traveled the world. I will continue to do so. I have a career that I am in love with. Um, I've, I've literally achieved everything that I've wanted. And, you know, as far as like, you know, Maslow's hierarchy and all that right. stuff. I really. Yeah feel like I'm self-actualized and embody who I want to be, but also who I want to be for my children. Mm -hmm. And it took me a long time to get here. And I've also, I've been through plenty of trauma. I've, you know, had to dig myself out of, you know, a couple holes. But um, I was like, you know what, if, and I, man, I've seen some single mothers that are badasses mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> my mom's one yeah. so you know um those are my idols those mm-hmm. are the people I'm like yeah I want to be like that mm-hmm. and so you know I I've ha- have some incredible you know fertility warriors that I've you know been able to be good friends with and watch them go through their process and you know some of these things happen after you know the fact too I have a very close girlfriend of mine who you know same thing with her husband mm-hmm. you know IUIs IVF everything failed and I kept on saying like and again I go back and be like I didn't want to be insensitive and I think she knew because we're very type A we're almost the same type mm-hmm. of person when it comes to our personalities and I said it's going to happen get that house settle in mm-hmm. and it'll happen and lo and behold amen god thank you yeah it did and she naturally got pregnant naturally yeah naturally even with all the numbers that were like you know so so not great and um naturally had her son and then naturally like miraculously right after her son's first birthday pregnant again naturally I'm like woohoo see see you just had to get the house wow you know and I do feel like that happens a lot and again I have said this and Kim it's never because I'm being insensitive, but in some cases, this has to happen. Most, a lot of people, you know, start either the adoption process, they give up, they let go, and they end up pregnant. Mm -hmm. Now, and obviously in my case, mine's a little different. I don't have that partner. Yeah. (laughs) It's like doing that. So obviously, science has to intervene, you know, for, for somebody like me. But I do want people, at least, especially if they're in this journey, Mm -hmm. that... A, it's okay to give up mm-hmm. or to let go mm-hmm. and see what happens, especially if you're partnered. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, again, if you are like single mother by choice mm-hmm. or that sort of thing, <laughs> so yeah. science intervention is going to be needed. Yeah. But um, yeah. So for when you just de- when you decided to do this on your own, was there any fear? Oh my God, I still think there is a lot yeah. of fear. Um, in some respects, I'm like, I will deal with that when I get there. Yeah. Kind of. Good, you kinda, know, yeah. because there's always fear of the unknown. And I mean, I don't know any mom or, you know, pregnant mom for that matter who isn't slightly scared too. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I um, 
due to having cervical cancer um, at 21, I lost most, you know, of my cervix. See, this I didn't know. And, See, so um, many topics. Okay. Blow that up in your face. Sorry, yeah, Kim. That's okay. Um, so, you know, having that, um, I was going to have an incompetent cervix. I was already told, you know, wow. you're going to have to plan your pregnancies very carefully. And this is, you know, obviously at 21, I'm like, ah, eh, whatever, you know, no yeah, big deal. Yeah. And so actually after the myomectomy, the fibroid removal, they had actually, because I did say... I want to carry my children. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, we'll put in what's called a transabdominal cerclage, which is basically a little stitch that mm-hmm. goes into the cervix. Mm-hmm. So I won't be able to labor. I have mm-hmm. to have my children C-section no matter mm-hmm. what. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there's there's a lot of fear around that. I'll be the first person to say, like, when I was in nursing school, I mean, I've watched cesareans and I've watched childbirth. I actually cut my little sister's umbilical cord. I've been into oh like crazy medicine yeah. almost all my life and so I just knew I never wanted a c-section because like it's a gnarly surgery right it's nothing easy and ironically now it's like that's what you get oh <laughs> so it's like okay all right I probably made that bed myself right yeah. but <laughs> my goodness okay wow um all right I could go in so many different directions right now, but I'm just going to look down on my notes. Okay, so um, last year you reached out to, and I know a lot happened before this, and we'll get into that, but last year you reached out to a place in Colorado, um, CNY, that specializes in difficult fertility cases. Um, there's so much that goes into the process of receiving fertility treatments, and I, and I really want to dig into that. But before we do, what caused you specifically to want to go with CNY? What was the experience like that you were encountering here locally that caused you to want to seek out this facility? So I went to two of the major fertility centers here in Sacramento. Um, And one of them was the one who had originally gotten all of my eggs in my 20s. So I was very familiar with them. And, you know, they seem to be doing very well. Um, However, my medical insurance wasn't covering anything more. And then after the two other rounds in 2022 with, you know, the two here, I needed to make a change. And, you know, insanity is doing the same thing and thinking you're going to get What's a different the cost? result. Oh. So I'm going to say on the lower end, about $20,000. On the lower end. Yeah. For, um, for in vitro fertilization. And that includes, you know, fertilizing that egg, freezing that egg, ICSI, which is intercytoplasmic sperm insertion. Mm. <laughs> um, there's a lot of acronyms um, in medicine and, of course, fertility. So, yeah. um, and, you know, I I do work a lot of hours, but ironically enough, after that 2022 kind of thing, and again, I had done retrievals before, I added up over $100,000 in treatment. Over? Yeah. Oh, I said nearly. Yeah, okay, so... Over. I would have been able to pay off my student loans by now if I didn't do fertility treatment. And, you know, some people would be like, you're out of your mind. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, yeah, that might be true. Um, But putting a price on, you know, the dream that you have of becoming a mother and Mm -hmm. having a family, most people can tell you there isn't one. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I've also, you know, known stories of people going through like, seven retrievals, seven transfers. I mean, I have the numbers that I've seen are just astronomical. I mean, one of my colleagues was like, oh, yeah, like my niece mortgaged her house. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And so I don't 
it's hard to say and it's like when do you let a dream die you know that's really really like the hard part yeah <laughs> you you pretty much just start I mean 2022 2021 when did you first um so started like back officially. up again 2021 and what how far did you get with here locally before you decided to go to Colorado um so basically did one in 2021 one in 2022 and after the failure in 2022 I made my phone call in May and then was talking to somebody in August Mm -hmm. in Colorado okay it takes a while to get in and the benefits with Colorado are it's less expensive right yes they do a volume of this so they're really experts they have five other locations I mean two in New York one in I think Atlanta Florida so they're very well versed um, as far as you know procedures doing things very differently than some of the more traditional yeah and you know sometimes doing something different is what produces better results it's true it's true um yeah and and they specialize in more difficult yeah yeah so more difficult you know whether it's recurrent loss lack of implantation you know obviously I'm geriatric mother at this age. Oh my gosh. Um, so um, I know it's funny, but uh, so yeah, I and of course the cost was a huge, huge benefit because like half ish. Yeah, um, almost half. And so and they do actually really well with um, pharmacies too. So because they do such a volume, they mm-hmm. can actually you know discount things a lot better. Okay. So makes sense. But I mean. You're talking a minimum of $1,000 just for medications every cycle, whether it's an egg retrieval or a transfer. Okay. And, again, you can do multiples. You know, usually you can do an egg retrieval, like, basically once a month, mm-hmm. you know, based around your period, so on and, and so forth. And just start collecting them and putting and them. And a lot of people yeah. do that. A lot of people just do a rash of retrievals and then, you know, bank all their eggs, embryos, and then see – works out I mean definitely if I would have figured this out sooner mm-hmm. that's what I would have done at you know the 38 mark yeah like let me just bank you know but 25 you eggs right <laughs> you don't know what you don't know exactly I mean, people I mean like I said like I feel like it's not something that's that co- it's, it's common but it's not really commonly talked about it's not talked about and yeah. for various reasons again yeah. not a lot of people want to talk about a sensitive subject like this no. it's very painful yeah you know, even like me talking about this, you know, here, like there's emotion that comes up, you know, it's definitely like, man, you've been through a shit ton. Do you yeah. really want to keep doing this? <laughs> yeah. Gosh. I, it, we take it for, we just, we take it for granted that we think, you know, I know I did. It was, I mean, I got pregnant young with both mine, but. Um, well, in my family, every one of my family's, you know, gotten pregnant very easily. Without, so, and yeah. that's also familial too. So mm-hmm. when you. You know, obviously, I've terminated. I, you know, saw my, you know, sister get very well pregnant easily, all that stuff. So it's like, eh, I'm not too worried no about it. Yeah, yeah. You know? And your focus was in a, in a different direction. Right. Which you thought, again, you thought you were doing the right thing, setting yourself up for success. Yeah. Um, okay, so I want to talk about the process. And this is, this this little next part's going to be a little long on my end, just so I'm going to spell it out. And then yeah. I'm going to toss the ball to her. All right, I want to talk about the process of receiving fertility treatments. And you guys, during our pre-interview, my mind was just exploding trying to get trying to get my head around all this. Okay, so I'm going to break it down to the best of my ability for the listeners, um, and then we're going to sift through it. 
The first step is to obtain all of your injections and oral medication. Then they have you do a blood panel within 72 hours. And once you get the green light, you can start on your medications, which include oral meds and um, oral meds three times daily and injections twice daily. You continue this for about two weeks and you experience side effects such as a substantial amount of water weight gain. You get super emotional and tired. You have brain fog, sort of sounds like pregnancy um, symptoms. Then you start on something called transfer medication prior to the egg retrieval, which can make you vulnerable to other viruses and such. If you do another, no, then you do another round of blood work, a CBC, to check your levels. Then they take a look at how many follicles you have, the sizes, and how mature the eggs are. Then you go in for the retrieval. After that, you get a series of reports on days three, five, and seven that following week on the process, on the progress of the eggs, you wait for your period, and then you start a different round of medication, which I think are anti-rejection meds, yeah. And then finally, you schedule your FET, your fertilized embryo transfer, where they transfer the fertilized embryos into your uterus. After 10 days, you do what is called a beta blood draw to see whether or not you test positive for pregnancy. The average cost for all of this is 20,000 a pop, on the low end actually, although it it was less expensive in Colorado, and there is a 65% success rate for frozen embryos. This is is a lot uh, to go through. Um, In fact, I'm not even sure the term a lot does this experience justice, but um, (laughs) you went through this process a month ago with an implantation of two embryos, twins essentially. You tested positive on day five using an at-home pregnancy test prior to going in for your beta test, but as the days went on, that positive line started to get lighter and lighter. And when you went in for your beta, it was negative. I would imagine that this has to be one of the most tumultuous emotional roller coasters for a woman. Um, can we talk about what this was like for you? Yeah. I mean, it was almost surreal to even just see a line. And so I, I have um, actually a client of mine who befriended me, and she was also a CNY client, and she was pregnant. When I met her, um, we were doing what were called lipid um, transfusions, which actually help with um, implantation as well as keeping these pregnancies. She was um, suffering from miscarriages. Mm, okay. And so CNY does this protocol where the, it's a lipid IV. And so that's how I met this lovely lady. Mm. And so I sent her the first one because she knew I was going through all this. She's like, oh my gosh, that's a, that's a positive. That's crazy. And so... You know, it was a lovely feeling to have, but, you know, it's obviously not the end-all, be-all. And then as the days went by, I'm like, this isn't looking good, you no, know. It just gets fa- faded. Yeah, yeah. Just, just more faded. I'm like, okay. And, of course, at this time, too, you're still emotional. You look like you're three months pregnant. You're doing oh. injections, like, again, twice a day. Um, you're bruised, like, on your belly and on your behind <laughs> because of all of the injections. Oh, my gosh. And um, so I go in, you know, for that beta. And, of course, I have some incredible friends like, just stay positive, just stay positive. And I'm like, yeah. And, of course, I even did, like, the post into the, you know, CNY groups and the other groups. Like, is it possible to have a pregnancy test that the line's fading but the beta comes out positive? You know, I mean, I went through every scenario. And, of course, there were a couple sleepless nights. And and people were like, oh, yeah, mine was, mine was, you know. But I had to kind of, like – get myself psyched up for the fact that it most likely was going to be negative you know and so um 
I sadly missed your launch. Um, that was the day that you told me <laughs> yeah. that I didn't. Yeah. And so, um, you know, and it, I, it literally took me almost two weeks to kind of like not let the news land, but my body and my emotions to kind of like integrate into that because they give you all the medications for your body to think it's pregnant. Mm. And mm. then, you know, you've got a detox from that. Um, I was also on, you know, steroids, progesterone. I mean, all it's an amazing amount of medications. So, you know, crying on my yoga mat, getting the infrared sauna in, being out in Mother Nature, you know, I would cry in the car. It, yeah. it was, you know, just depending on. And then certain things would be triggering. Yeah. Um, and it's so funny. So I do acupuncture, too. And my acupuncturist, the day that I think was my fourth day after transfer, she's like, do you have a hard time, like, seeing pregnant women? I'm like, no, that never bothers me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what's triggering is, unfortunately, some of the drug addicts that I see that are pregnant and just Ooh. disregard babies. That is Ooh. very triggering for me at work. Yeah, um, yeah you see yeah and repeatedly and it's like oh my gosh so that I think that is very triggering for me but I think after that failed transfer this is the first time I've actually had a hard time seeing Mm -hmm. pregnant people Mm -hmm. um and I literally had to be able to say that to myself like okay you are really having a hard time um but it's just such a again emotional roller coaster and so you don't even know sometimes when you're gonna get triggered Mm-hmm. about you know a baby shower or you know so on and so forth so yeah it's uh hard to describe sometimes yeah well <laughs> I think that those of if, if you've ever had a um well a lot of people spent I'm just this this gives us just a tiny glimpse if you've ever a had a miscarriage which a lot of yeah. people do I think I mean I don't know what the percentage but it's, it's high. actually quite common yeah yeah I've had two one actually one before Jordan and one before Jasmine or no one after Jasmine <laughs> they their book ended and the kids were in the middle um <laughs> so um if you've ever had a miscarriage or if you've ever had to like I I don't it feels silly saying like I there was only one time where I t- had tried to get pregnant with with, with with Jordan and I and I tested that month and didn't get pregnant but I got pregnant the following month so I pregnancy came out probably because I was young it came easily to me but just failing that one month that one month was like, <laughs> and then having the miscarriage, especially the first miscarriage. Sure. It gives you like a little glimpse into, uh, because it's almost like you grieve something you didn't really have. Right. Even. Right. Um, but it's, you feel so strongly that it's your, it's a part, it, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but I just remember I felt like a, 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 there was a death. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you, you grieve what you were hoping to have, right? Yeah. A full long, you know, a, you know, to term pregnancy. And so, I mean, I don't know how many times I've said this and I, you know, my girlfriend that struggled with infertility too, she's like, my body's failing me. <sighs> and like, that's a hard thing to say and then watch people go through it. And so obviously I'm a huge wellness geek. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yes. So, you know, it's like doing all the right things, you know, doing the yoga handling my stress I mean I know a lot of people are like oh handle your stress and I'm like well that's what my yoga's for yeah try to eat well yeah I prioritize my sleep I used to be like oh six and a half hours I'm good and now I'm like ooh, seven and a half eight yeah. you know <laughs> like I'm in bed by nine good o'clock for you. 
But um, yeah, so when your body betrays you, there isn't something, especially you don't know. You just, you don't know. And so. Yeah. And you could, because you are so healthy. I mean, anybody that, I mean, I don't even know you that well, like in person, but just looking at you from afar, you are clearly very healthy. You take good care of yourself. You know, you're, you're very, um, it's like all the boxes are checked for you. Um, in terms of anything that you could do to better your health, you seem to be very healthy. No, I'm, but so there's like, what else can you do? Yeah. And I think that's, what's frustrating, especially again, for women, you know, who are doing all those things. Mm -hmm. It's again, one of those things that you get, you just want to bang your head up against the wall. Like when somebody who, you know, is in medicine is like unexplained fertility. And I have, you know, followed plenty of people and they're like, it's not unexplained. You just haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's a hard pill to swallow too. And I will be the first to admit women's health is not my forte. I'm a, in a critical care nurse mm-hmm. and an emergency medicine NP. Mm-hmm. I only deal with things that might kill you. Mm, <laughs> not, yeah, yeah, yeah. not women's medicine. Yeah. You know, my master's was, you know, in acute care. So women's health, you know, I, again, I have a medical background, but it, it's beyond me, yeah. you know. It's a whole different animal. Yeah, so yeah. I can't even necessarily you know, quote unquote, talk intelligently about, you know, all the meds and all the different mm-hmm. things. So it's frustrating, yeah, especially it, being an advocate. I mean, I'm an advocate for myself, but I mean, people that are not in medicine, I can't even imagine the hopelessness mm-hmm. or the frustration mm-hmm. that anyone could go through if they don't even have the background, like such as myself, because yeah. I've gone through like the frustration, obviously the hopelessness or just like, Again, you're just like, what am I doing? Is it crazy for me to keep going? Like all those things. And I can't even imagine how, you know, somebody without the background that I have going through this A alone, Mm -hmm. because there's plenty of, you know, single mothers by choice out there that are. Mm -hmm. And I, I could definitely feel like so just that empathy for that person because it's, it's rough from my standpoint Mm -hmm. that I couldn't even fathom what it's like for somebody who doesn't have the medical background. Yeah. It's a very good point to make. Um, and not to mention you are a very mentally, and I actually have a note to go over this. Like you are very, um, level-headed as a person. Try to. You seem to be very emotionally, um, like, we're, we, we've been talking about a very sensitive topic both yesterday and during our pre, pre-interview and you you're very controlled so for someone who's not who who, who de- tends to run emotional <laughs> I imagine it's much different you know and it's it's like it's torture I imagine yeah. Yeah. also too like I was thinking like you're investing in um if you started if you start let's see your first phone call was you said in may or in the, in the spring mm-hmm. april may mm-hmm. so you're investing all of these months into this outcome that you're just hoping and praying is going to happen and, and you're going your body you're putting your body through it you're putting your finances through it you're flying out there you're you know all of your eggs in this basket uh like no pun intended but um <laughs> perfect but you know um and then it, it, it's almost like if you imagine, I always try to look for the metaphor. I would do this with my husband too. I always try to look for the metaphor to help him understand things. Like imagine if this, that's what that's like. Right. Imagine almost like if you, if you um, work really hard and you earn a hundred thousand dollars and let's just say like it gets stolen 
It's right. like you've worked and you've worked really hard for it. It's not, it wasn't just gifted to you, but right. you put in, and then somebody just pulls it out from underneath. That's to me, it almost feels like that you've invested so much. Oh yeah. Into it. And then for it just to be gone and then you have to start over. That's, I mean, that's literally kind of what it's like yeah. is, you know, you, and I think it's very hard for, again, somebody such as myself who, you know, you do all the right things, you do all the things, and to not have it, you know, and when you work hard, you feel like, oh, okay, I've worked hard, I've done all the right things. How is this not working? Yeah. And so that's the frustration, that's the loss and the grief. And, you know, um, I haven't gone through the anger stage yet, and I'm not sure why that is. I go more through the, like, emotional loss and mm-hmm. the grief. Mm-hmm. And I think... Anger doesn't come easy to me because I guess because of the, I guess, the miraculousness of it, the science of it, that emotion does not come for me. And I'm not sure why, um, but I just, anger doesn't come. It's more just like grieving, sadness, disappointment, frustration maybe, but anger, you know, don't you think that we all, um, is that a necessary emotion to go through? So typically they say um, anger is part of, you know, the, I think it's five steps of, you know, law. Yeah, I guess so. Law. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, there's the denial, all, mm-hmm. the, all this other stuff. But anger has not really gotten to me. Um, I think, you know, anger is definitely maybe a part of the frustration. But I never get, I guess, that outrage. Yeah. It's more of loss and grief yeah. and um disappointment and I think you know they say grief is love unexpressed oh and so oh gosh that makes sense <laughs> yeah, that so way. I think that's that's where I go yeah and I I think certain people and spouses mm-hmm. I think get anger mm. Mm, yeah. Oh, so yeah. So I, I see that for sure. I see a lot of anger, and I've I've seen it. You know, from my friends, I've, their husbands or their partners, they're the ones that have the anger. Yeah. Because they're watching their partner from afar go through all this. They're also watching finances literally fly out yes. the window. So I think the anger tends to be on that other partner. That makes so and much men, sense. Men like to do things with anger more than yeah. They're hormonally set up differently yes. for that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That makes so much sense. Um, I think we're all prone. Like, we have all these stages of grief, but we're all – maybe maybe we're all wired to experience some stronger than others. I, I know just for me personally, 100%. like uh, – when I, my condition started 16 years ago, I went through definitely the five stages, but I was prone to some more than others. And anger wasn't, I was, I did go through anger, but it was not as pronounced as some of the other ones for sure not. So I I could see how, how for you, because you're just not prone to be as angry as maybe somebody, but Mark uh, definitely experienced, not at me, but (laughs) towards like the medical community, like fix her, what's wrong? You know, like, yeah. So men really like to look well, they're problem solvers yeah. typically, and they they're analytical. Yeah, and um, I have a little bit of that in me as well. But they want answers mm-hmm. when things don't go right. They are like, "Why did this happen? This costs so much. We don't get a refund." I mean, all I know, these. Right? You know, it's it's again, and you have to look at things with a little levity too, right? And yes. so I do try to you know find humor in some things, or you know again. It's so it's it's actually a good point. Um, I think that the more you can laugh at, not laugh at, but but 
levity that that's the word you know in those circumstances because otherwise you're just drowning in the heaviness of it all uh, so I did true I wanted to ask you about um because something I didn't ask you about before the are there v- various risks of f- failure before even making it to the beta like so for example so this situations of the situations of going through are there situations I should say going through the first two weeks with the injections and the orals and then when it comes to check the levels and they look at the quality of the eggs do they ever say no they're not good enough we're not gonna be able to do the retrieval like is there ever yeah so um I did have one um retrieval canceled and this is actually the egg retrieval before my myomectomy um they're like you know you're not responding to the meds how we had thought um there's not just that many and and of course, the meds cost a G, and so I was like, "What? You didn't even make it to the retreat? Yeah, yeah." So then it's like, "Okay, you're going to start all over yeah. to do that." So yeah, and they will do that, um, you know, based on how you're responding to the meds, then they'll change your protocol. Mm. So, but maybe the money's still spent. Money's all gone. Yeah. you know, there's no like, oh yeah, go ahead and you know, we'll refund you half of you know because you're still going through the ultrasounds, the blood work, and everything else during that process. So yeah, they can absolutely, you know, do that you know for retrieval. And so, say for transfer, you're going through transfer protocol, right? So you're doing all the injections. They get your blood work. You get to that ultrasound, mm-hmm. and they're like, mm, your lining's not thick enough. You need to, you know. Yes, that was my next question. <laughs> like they have, they have the embryos, but they look at you and they go, "We can't transfer them." Right. So there, there are various steps along the way where you don't even make it to the end. You can, yeah, and so you can prolong um, a stem for transfer, like to thicken up that lining. They give you more meds or whatnot, or they'll use it as a quote unquote mock oh. um, transfer. Uh-huh just to walk you through it and make sure that it all basically looks good and then be like okay we'll do this again next month and that's when we'll transfer your embryos i would imagine that would play a lot of games with the person's head oh i mean mock yeah they call it a mock cycle and i'm like oh heavens to betsy i don't think Uh, i could do that i don't know about that you know and again it's it's all to see you know blood levels lining da 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 all those things and I'm like oh man and and again these people I have literally seen somebody go through 17 retrievals <gasps> um I don't know how many transfers I mean this was you know documented on you know saying that's what they did and I was just blown away I'm like oh my god did she did they get pregnant I think they did oh, yeah god. yeah but I mean so you know a lot of people ask about the letdown from you know the first transfer and I'm like you know I need to I always want to try to always put things in perspective, mm-hmm. you know, for myself, because I do that for my patients, too, um, is I'm like, man, this is my first one. I know people that have, you know, again, done several. Yeah. I mean, up into the double digits. Yeah. And I, knock on wood, oh God, don't hope, yeah. even want to think about mm-hmm. that. But, you know, putting things in perspective and kind of moving forward with a humble heart, but a hopeful heart, like, I again I have a super blessed life I'm very lucky to have mm-hmm. the family and the friends that I have and the career that I do yeah um you have but, a lot of gratitude for your life as it is it's yeah. clear yeah so you know that's kind of where I have to you know go back to you know after you know obviously the grief and the letdown yeah. the disappointment that's kind of where I have to go back to square one but in a way it's kind of like when you see that other people have gone through you know 
this over and over and over again into, into the double digits and they ended up having their children. I mean, obviously at what cost, you right. understand, but I could see why you'd want to keep going back up, go to bat, keep going, you know, and, 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 and continue that process because there's always hope that one of these are, are going to pay off. Right. And well, you're, and you're a little, do they consider you early on in the process? Yeah. For me, I am considered still pretty early on and you know, everyone's like, you only just need that one. I'm like, yeah, this is true. You know? Yeah. Um, so, and again, it's, it is a marathon, not yeah. a, you know, sprint a per se. So it's, yeah. you know, and everyone has their pace, you know, to go through it too. I mean, these people that are doing like back-to-back retrievals and I'm like whoa that's crazy it's a lot for your body it's so much a huge amount for your body when you broke down the um, what you're taking and injecting and taking and injecting and testing I mean it's a lot for any human being to be and then you think hormone like we just think in terms of like our monthly periods like (laughs) hormone we can well some of us can barely handle that like imagine (laughs) monthly going through this yeah hormone injections it's it's pretty crazy and um you know, when you're going through all that, too, you you obviously feel heightened and you're like, am I in my right mind right now? Right. <laughs> Question <laughs> everything. Because, like, you're like, okay, am I being really level-headed? You know, so no. Imagine somebody who's not self-aware on the hormones. Like, and they just, they think, I can't imagine. Because you are. So you know, like, <laughs> this is just the hormones. Yeah, like, like, I just need to reel it in. Yeah. Or, you know, my patience is really short or, you know, something like that. Yeah. But it's like, Okay. <laughs> so crazy oh my gosh I, yeah I can't imagine doing it over and over and we're going to get to like your plans going forward in a second but um we have to talk about um one of the major factors in all of this and it is the cost um and the risk of you know paying all this money with the hopes of having it result in the positive outcome very often it's not the case as we've mentioned you you mentioned that insurance only covers this process once and after that you're basically on your own you also mentioned that the cost of all this isn't something that's regulated there is no ceiling to what these clinics can charge Um, does it seem to you like this industry basically has the power to capitalize on a person's desperation that's all for part one of this episode the story continues in part two and is available now